Delay that. Admiral's orders. Lock it down. Shuttles. Transporters. The boy stays here. You are going to get us all killed. Why are you doing this? Because he's my son. Tactical, full power to forward shields. LaFords get ready to fly. Stand by to execute commands. Whatever happens next, Admiral, that's on you. Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nash Karnik, and with me getting a longing look from across the bridge is... Rudy Kasbaker. And maybe I should use my actual given name because it's just the two of us, so there can be more to me. But uh, yeah, it's just Rudy Kasbaker this time. <laughs> Welcome to Strange New Takes. We'll, today we'll be sharing a recap of the Picard Season 3 episode, Disengage. And before that, do remember to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all these uh, <clears throat> fun social media places. Tell your friends about the pod. Um, we love to have more listeners, new listeners. We love to hear from you. And of course, do, um, do give us a five-star rating on your favorite uh, podcast um, app, uh, like Apple Podcasts or whatever you use. Um, that helps other new people find us easily on on podcast lists. All right. Well, uh, also, make sure that you've watched Disengage before you listen to us because we're going to spoil some stuff. We're also going to speculate about what might be coming later in the season. So if you don't like speculation spoilers, again, this might not be the best place for you to, to be in terms of listening. So you've been warned there are spoilers here. All right. Well, as yeah, go ahead. Rudy, you I was going to say, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> that's another kind of a spoiler where it hasn't yet been spoiled, but some people just don't want to speculate on what's going to happen. Is it, is it almost like people who don't like to watch trailers? Um, yeah, and... exactly. Mm. I was talking to my friend Andrew yesterday, and he did not know that Worf was going to be on the screen. Like, he didn't know Worf was in the series at all. And because he probably hadn't watched the trailers, which all featured Worf. And that's actually really cool, right? Because you get more like surprise and like, oh my God, my favorite whoever is going to be in there. And so it can actually be kind of cool. I can see the reasoning why people don't watch trailers. Makes sense. All right. Well, as I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the second episode of season three of Picard. It's called Disengage. It first aired on the 23rd of February, 2023. It was written by Christopher Monfett and Sean Tretta. It's directed by Douglas Arniokoski. The in-universe date was 2401. We always start with our strange new takes. Rudy, do you have a strange new take for me? I do. Um, so I've been watching a lot of sci-fi recently. Well, a lot of a variety of sci-fi, I would say. I watch a lot of sci-fi all the time uh, on a sci-fi podcast. Um, but I feel there's 
a documentary that I watched recently that I really, really liked. And I want to bring it up. And maybe I've brought it up before, but I liked it so much. So if listeners missed it the first time and I had brought it up before, um, now is a good time to bring it up again. Uh, and I'm not, I don't watch enough documentaries. I used to love them as a kid. Um, and like my top two documentaries of all time are, <clears throat> I think it's Solo or Free Solo. It's the, it's mm-hmm. about Free Solo. Uh, a gentleman you know, trying to climb um, El Capitan in Yosemite. Uh, without any uh, protective gear, right? And then there's another one called uh, uh, My Octopus Teacher, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which is about the fantastic uh, world of oct- octopi and how intelligent they are. And so those are my two best documentaries in, in the last decade or so. And guess what? Neither of them have anything to do with sci-fi or space. And then I saw one um recently which made it into my top three at least and it's called good night oppie it was um it was created in um in 2022 and it is about the uh unmanned remote controlled rover on mars run by by nasa by jpl and it is such a well uh scripted documentary it uh had me teary-eyed throughout, and it's about the spirit and opportunity rovers and and the successes they've had. I won't say more, but if you like um if you like if you like a tinge of reality with with the science and space, uh, and you're not all about manned spaceflight, then Good Night Oppie is an amazing documentary to watch. Uh, it is profound. And then for this uh, episode, I will hmm, I'll say it was good to see Worf. Nice. That was, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was quite the entrance and we'll talk about it. Uh, I'll, I'll pick up on your piece for a second. So I, I've actually got Goodnight Alpi on my list of things I need to watch next. I've talked about The Farthest, which is the Voyager documentary before. Have you watched that, Rudy? No, I do not think I've watched that particular one. I'll put it on my list. No, watch it immediately. Uh, oh it, it is that is at the tippy top of my list of favorite documentaries of all time. So, uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. It's about the two Voyager probes. They bring together the team, a lot of archival footage of the team from back in the day as well. Like it, it's great, and the soundtrack is brilliant. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece on unmanned space exploration. And where I'll t- say with what I'll say with this episode is that uh, I'm glad they didn't drag out the uncertainties of like Jack Crusher's parentage and who the who Rafi's handler was, and that we just got it in this this episode rather than having it discovered over the course of the entire season or whatever. So, all right, with that, let's just jump into talking about this episode. First of all, we got to handle something that gets to, shown to us in the cold open, but is also to, we, we discover as viewers for sure later in the in the episode, which is that Jack Crusher is a little bit of a con man. He he seems to be somebody who takes on different identities, might be a, a smuggler, kind of in the Han Solo lovable rogue uh persona, maybe, that there might be some good he's also trying to do by smuggling medical supplies. 
Wanted to get your take on that, Rudy, if, if that's the vibe that you got as well, or whether you think that he's just straight up bad. The Han Solo comparison is a nice one. Specifically for me, because I never made it, and I was still trying to rationalize what was going on there uh, till you called it out. I think that's what they're probably going for because they have, throughout the episode, they have these, let's say, glimpses of he cares about um, his his mother. He, um, or at, 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 like through most of the episode, his, you know, his mm-hmm. apparent mother, and then we kind of figure out, yep, she's the mother for sure. Um, so there are those glimpses. Uh, but then you always have those with the really uh, strongly cast villains as well. They always start from a place of good, right? And they can mm-hmm. come bad. Um, so, so that was there too. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I'm a Trekkie for life, but nobody can do Han Solo as well as, let's just say, you know, it's not so much Star Wars, but let's just say as well as Harrison Ford could, uh, that is the standard. So, um, if, if they can come even close to that, I will be super, super, super impressed. Yeah, I I mean this is this is like also a prototypical Star Wars character in so many ways, right? Like the like quick quick with the quips. Uh <laughs> you know, you you you're able to uh also like kind of not quite in the best uh uh relationship with the authorities. You're being chased around and so you need the good authorities to save you from the bad authorities. I mean this is this is like I mean pretty typical sci-fi tropes, right? Even going beyond <laughs> Han Solo. Like uh and and so I, I think they're establishing Jack Crusher as someone we can't totally trust on the screen, like what they're doing. But the suspicion is that he's good. And I We'll discuss this in a minute, but I suspect they're also setting him up for a long tenure in the Star Trek world. Uh, or it could turn into a uh, a situation like the actual Han Solo in the first uh, sequel movie where he just gets offed in like the first, <laughs> first movie and he's done. Like maybe Jack Crusher isn't long for this world and Picard has to deal with that tragedy. But um, who knows? But we'll get to that in a minute. All right. So we, we, we get to this, this prequel this flashback of two weeks ago with Jack Crusher, we find out basically that it was one of his activities with the Fenris Rangers in, on an inspection of his ship that got him into the, the crosshairs of, uh, of Vadic. And, and so that's why she, she was able to trace him and Beverly, although we don't see Beverly in that flashback. So I don't know what's going on there, but uh, it's kind of a little odd. And, one of the things that we then switch to is to find out that Rafi, since the last episode, is now on a mission to self-diagnose what's going on with this secret weapon. Like, she, the, she's she been told to stand down by her handler, but she just can't. She feels very guilty for the 108 people who died on Matala's yeah. Prime. Yeah, and so... You you would consider this as the plot B, right, Natch? Yeah. Or are they like equally equally positioned, equal weightage kind of plots as as you get into them through the first two episodes before the re- reveal of Worf? I mean, this is like 
the A plot is clearly like Jack Crusher and Picard and Riker and their exploits, right? Between the the other ship and then the Titan. Yeah, yeah, and and this is this is, I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrongly, but this is that plot B, that Rafi plot, was filled with whatever I have not sort of made, well, not so much not sort of made peace with, but not rationalized with new Star Trek. Uh, since the discovery days um it it is very quick it it progresses very quickly um purely because maybe it's it's you know i'm i'm somebody who grew up on tng and i'm naturally uh drawn to the 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 a plot because it has come mm-hmm. on it has like picard and riker but i was trying to make sense of what was happening and and it it took a little bit of time for me to um not only understand what's happening but not feel great about it um the conversations with the faceless handler and all of that i see what they were trying to do but it it kind of took me back to yeah doing a doing a lot that's that's like uncharted territory with new people and and you kind of you sometimes you kind of use that plot to kind of relax your mind and then you start paying more attention when it goes back to plot a so those are my broad thoughts it was given like not one but like a hundred booster shots by injecting wharf into it at the end i feel like i was like oh this one i'm gonna follow now um Mm -hmm. but i don't know what do you what do you think notch have you have you yeah it seems like have you followed rafi with uh, you know, with interest throughout uh, season uh, one and two, I don't even remember season one, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I have found Rafi to be a little bit of a melodramatic character arc, um, which I didn't really like. I- I'm kind of on like Emily talks normally about how we want the future to be hopeful, and this is much darker. And while I, I'm a little bit more sympathetic on the macro lens of that, or I'm a little less sympathetic to that point of view on the macro lens, where I feel like a little bit darker on the macro lens is okay for me. I think on the micro lens, and particularly with Rafi's character, I really wish they had done more just to like bring her into the light and to have like when she when she finished season one and there was that kind of revelation of her path in life and then she went back to the academy. I wish they just stuck to it. And then all of this kind of a piece about her being unable to like like the in this episode for example the continuing strife in her family um this this lens of her being able to uh, being unable to emotionally disengage uh it's just not quite as interesting to me uh, either to be perfectly honest with you um i i think it dragged out a few of the scenes in this episode but at the same time i don't know what they're going to do with it right like i think it's it's early if, days if if they bring it together well i think it all makes sense um they've now introduced this source of tension where sneed basically forced her to take some drugs so is she going to relapse like where's her mental state so there's there's that there's that lens now that we can view all of her actions in which might uh, might cause us to to doubt some of the things she's doing, which I don't think would be particularly welcome. I hope they're just able to get her into detox quickly and move on. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be doubting Rafi's ability to to have her shit together. We did that uh, enough in seasons one and two. Um, so so we'll see. 
On the other hand, I do think it was kind of interesting to see her dynamic with Sneed. I think that scene where she's... So I think I think if you look at the, the, the scenes both with her ex-husband and with Sneed in kind of a... Uh, in a vacuum they're kind of compelling tv right like i mean the the heartbreak with her and her husband where he's like you must choose between me helping you see your son versus me helping you set up a meeting with sneed i mean that's in a different show where we where we are okay with a lot of melodrama that's i mean that's compelling writing so i don't want i don't want to say that it's not well written or that it's not well acted either it's just maybe not what i want uh, I, I want a little bit more swashbuckling, a little less Titanic. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Well, yeah, I'm I am from the generation that went and saw Titanic, the 1996 Titanic in theaters, so it does make sense. And and maybe there's 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 clues in there for me as well, like where I'm coming from. So I think what the writers and 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 the franchise is trying to do is um they they have a they have a recipe for the established uh, hard hitting heroes right the brand essentially the picards the rikers and all of that right um mm-hmm. and so they they stick to you know the glory of the past and you know reliving the past and one more adventure and all of that stuff and that's what people like us right people who again grew up on star trek grew up on tng uh, really associated with these characters We'll we'll drink that Kool Aid all day, um, and then they try like this is where Star Trek, um, rightfully uh you know goes to new frontiers and and brings in new real life issues into sci fi so people can rationalize them and and make sense of them and and learn to overcome them. At the same time, I mean, I get your point that we're exploring the issues of relapse and we're exploring the issues of like. Uh, what it takes to live a, a life of teetotaling after you've had to give up something that you're addicted to. So it's it's not a bad thing for us to confront. Uh, addiction is something that's a pretty hot topic, at least in the United States at the moment. And I would imagine it is in the world, the rest of the world as well, but I can't quite speak to that. So it's it's in a way, it's good that they're dealing with it for sure. I just... Um, I think this again comes down to that piece about like what do we want out of our Star Trek and for each of us it's going to be something different and um, I think it, to your point it is very much like okay if we have a little bit of this in in Picard where we have to deal with a little bit of melodrama next to our swashbuckling plot A that's okay that's fine sounds good yeah well um, let's let's Talk a little bit about the fact that she confronts, Rafi confronts Sneed. So she's able to set up the meeting with Sneed. And it turns out he's a Ferengi with a beard, which I don't remember seeing a Ferengi with a beard before. But he, he definitely has like a, a five o'clock shadow when she talks to him. Did you notice this? I did not. And it's it's a whole new, you know, dimension for me in terms of understanding that race. Like they have to shave. And they do it pretty intensely, I guess, or they have been doing it pretty intensely, except for Ferengi drug lords. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I imagine like Rom with a with a razor blade. That's dangerous. As an engineer, I guess will be will be okay. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I I didn't read too much into the beard. Uh, Ferengi bad character makes sense. 
This one was this one was less like in general Star Trek has shown Ferengi Ferengi um you know antagonists as so petty and so like focused and devious but so focused on on their greed that they're almost like to be laughed at and frowned on mm-hmm. this one not so much um i i forget the name of that that uh in the the you know the fca guy the fca guy in ds9 um i don't remember inspector no. yeah the, uh, the inspector who is who who would always come in for the inspections the who, who who's played a lot of characters in Trek. um anyways he was the only one i was we were kind of worried about because he would come in and like you know quark would be worried that he's gonna take his bar away or like put him in jail or there's like this personal vendetta but generally ferengi haven't been like Well, there's always been the thought process of will outsmart them at some point. I we as in being Federation, Starfleet humans. This guy's like this guy was like a badass warlord, so I didn't know what to expect. You're talking about Brunt, by the way, played yes. by Jeffrey Combs. And yes. by the way, in, in when when Sneed's like criminal record flashes on the screen, his known associates are Morn, uh, Quark, and Brunt. So. <laughs> So so good job bringing me to mentioning that. Also Sneed the warlord does not say human, he says human. Oh, which, which was sacrilege. disappointing, right? Yeah. Uh, he's also got a baseball from somewhere so apparently he was oh, maybe no. he was he his criminal career started at Quarks on DS9, who knows. I, I mean, it has to be that. Right? It cannot be anything else. Yeah, no, I I I did think it was kind of interesting to see like a bad to the bone Ferengi dude who has like uh the head of a Romulan criminal oh sitting God. behind his couch the whole time and like I mean this was like freaking training day, right? Like the like you you got to take the drugs to prove yourself. Oh my god. Uh like it's been in like so many like movies and TV shows along the way and like she had to Rafi had to had to inject herself to to prove that she's a a bad person but wait she does it she makes the tough choice but he knew all along that she was actually not who she said she was because he killed the Romulan Taluka before and has his head just sitting there to show her which then prompts the pacifist klingon per the trailers wharf to come in and just eviscerate everybody including lopping sneed's head off holy crap dude yeah was that one of those like sh- shorter battlets it was it was pretty close to the body as he was swinging it and and um he almost had this like you know because it's you're viewing it you're seeing it from Rafi's point of view and she is obviously you know not normal uh, she is high and then you see like this silhouette and then you start seeing a little bit of the hair and it's white and it's um it's it's giving the sense of this martial arts uh you know mm-hmm. uh kind of person um and and then you see this battlet swinging around that's that's the first time i got this sense. So, I didn't know it was going to be this episode as well. I was just watching the episodes one after the other and honestly, I had forgotten after seeing the trailers before the first episode that Worf was going to be here. I was um super excited about Worf being here because I was a little worried that the 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 other primary characters would be, would be slotted into the same like 
Picard wants his one last adventure and everybody's going to be on the journey with him kind of thing. And I think with Worf, I thought that they'll do something different and they are doing something different, which is good, which is rescuing plot B. So when I, um, when I saw that battlehead swinging around or whatever that, that weapon was, I was like, this has to be him. And, so, and that was amazing. The weapon he was wielding was a metaleth. Uh, uh. best I could see in the in the kind of again there was a, it was really hazy, but it looked like a mechleth that he was using to to lop off Sneed's head, and then you know the Klingon music from the the motion picture, which was also used in First Contact for Worf, uh, makes a reappearance as we see get the close up on his face as he's helping Rafi to her feet and making them walk, and he's like, I told you to disengage. Uh, <laughs> or I think it's, I think he says I told you not to engage or something like yeah. that, and which was kind of a lame thing to say to somebody who's in the throes of a drug overdose and like you know you don't you don't want to like she's having a bad trip and you're like trying to talk logic to her it's not not a great scene Worf. Yeah, and that's that's interesting. I've I've always consider I mean I've always been curious in how writing actually works right and editing of writing and peer editing and obviously there's a there's a proper editor I, I think people who write these things they don't look at it's hard to look at these aspects because it's pretty clear right like the reason Rafi took that shot was so that we are all introduced to wharf in a haze right mm-hmm. like th- there's yeah. there's mystery and 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 mystique behind like slowly revealing him through that haze of her um her being high and then obviously whatever he says right do not engage like oh reveal he's the handler and you know slam dunk slam dunk but then there's people who view it as like wow that's uh why were you saying that so i wonder if there's a second pair of eyes that has no knowledge of the whole script and comes in and is like, oh, that could, could be a little weird. You think it's a slam dunk, but it's not. Yeah. Um, we'll see where, where this goes in the next episode, right? Like, we'll, we'll, I, I think we now have the, the story of how Rafi and Worf are going to link up with Picard and Riker. Like, is there going to be a way that they have to bring these groups together now? Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, they, 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 the way they kind of like took out that recruitment center, uh, even though it was not like, you know, it was considered a comparatively smaller recruitment center. It looked pretty big, you know, looking at the building sizes around and there was some like vehicle traffic and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like profound for me. It was profound, uh, you know, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Khan type of damage, right? Like attacking at the heart of uh mm-hmm. you know uh, uh what the federation stands for you know essentially the recruitment engine and it, it's it's like it's almost like the 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 badness in plot b the you know the uh, super villain or whatever in plot b is way worse and in in serious than the super than the bad people in plot a and we don't even know who they are as a vatic person with ship right so uh, I guess the arc does not, they've not revealed a super, super villain yet other than Vadic. And I don't, and for me, Vadic is like, you know, opportunistic. So um, I wonder when that happens, right? Like 
Yeah. I'm trying to think back to other Star Trek, recent Star Trek and, and them reduce, uh, sorry, introducing the villain later on versus early on. And I don't quite remember, but I found this interesting that they're kind of keeping us guessing. Uh, let's keep our audience guessing because I'm actually going to come to the supervillain bit in just a second, but we need to take a uh -huh. break before we do that. So let's uh, let's take a break here and come back and talk about the supervillain. Am I going to need to confine you to quarters? Lieutenant Morrow detected weapon system activity, presumably targeting Picard's unarmed shuttle. And so it will be noted in my report. Sir, they could die if we don't help. Did you assist Captain Riker and Admiral Picard in commandeering my shuttle? <sighs> I am more than certain they were able to find the shuttle bay without assistance. Bullshit. Sir, you could be the hero who saved heroes. Or you could be remembered for being the captain who let two legends die. It's your call, sir. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Before the break, I teased something. And that something is that the conspiracy bugs from TNG season one are back, dude. I firmly believe that they are. Uh, that Because at the end of that episode, and this is the episode where there are little bugs that go into the brainstem of the human and start controlling them. And, and it's all basically the TNG crew realizes that all these admirals and Starfleet have been infected. And at the end of that episode, we find out that the bugs in Starfleet have sent a message back to their home world. And so the, the, re the rest of the species might come and try to invade. There's a great video on YouTube kind of showing how there are some things that were, some lines that were shared in that episode and some, and some uncomfortable parallels to things that were shown in that episode as well two things that were shown in the first episode of this this season. For example, Picard, when he and Riker beam over to, to Starfleet Command and they, they finally find out that all the admirals have been taken over, like you know, the famous scene of all the admirals eating bowls of worms. You remember this? Yep. That scene starts with the admirals already eating and saying, uh, let's let's just we we, are, we got started before you. Let's just keep going. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, and that's exactly what Shaw does in the first episode of Picard season three. So, oh. so so, and and when Crusher says like trust no one, um, is this is this what she's referring to? That that they're basically Starfleet is in the throes of a bug infestation. Oh, now, wow. the other um, thing I'll mention is this. What is Varric's ship called? Uh, Trike? Oh. You know what Shrikes are known for? Eating impaling, worms. Well, impaling bugs on, like, thorns and stuff. I mean, they also, like, you just found out that they also impale rodents. But maybe, maybe Varric is not a bad guy. Maybe maybe Vadik is a is is actually trying to capture these bugs and uh, I mean that that's kind of an out there theory. Maybe like she could also just be like actually bug central. Maybe she and her crew are like infecting everybody. Who knows? But uh, I'm just I just thought I would take the theory one step further by saying maybe she's actually trying to help. She had the sense of intellect around her, like even with like. Ah, Jean-Luc 
Picard. She like really does the Picard. <laughs> um, wait, let, let me. There's three things that you 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 kind of step through here, right? I'll just go back and say mm-hmm. the original TNG conspiracy bug episode is one of my favorites. I think I watched it when I was pretty young. It's like creeped me out a little, maybe a lot as well. I was afraid. Um, and and honestly speaking, like the the scene where they like literally like gore phaser that that mother creature. Yep. Yep. Um, it it gave me a little bit of like respite and like yeah if you if there's gruesome stuff you can just like you know burn the shit out of it, bust it um but which those are, by the way those by are... the way remember how Beverly makes sure to vaporize the body of the person that she's oh. killed in the first episode that's part of the this theory as well because she knows what these bugs are capable of so she she takes it out. Is this like an existing theory or are you coming up with this shit on no, the fly? No, no, this was this is part of that video that I watched. Oh my god, that is amazing. So anyways, going back, th- these are like again talking about super villains that don't have some like stupid petty childhood like issue and then they become super villains and all of that. These kind of super villains, right? Like an enemy we don't understand, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we can we can't fathom. That's the that's the really creepy stuff, right? And how they end that that TNG episode with like that beacon going into space, and then they're like they're showing like the vastness of space and some like nebula or whatever, or like distant galaxy, and they like they go beep, beep, beep. I mean that's that's the kind of stuff that like the the alien alien franchise right like mm-hmm. thrived on. Like it it is it is a strong it is a strong setup for an enemy race. So if they're really doing that, that is that is fantastic. If they're not, um, the downside notch is, I may I may, it, you know, uh, great on this show a little bit more unfortunately because I have high expectations now. Um, <laughs> but but no seriously like, trust no one. And then it's it's the it's the, Picard and Riker duo right like getting into all of it. Um, it's them, and they they they're the ones who kind of sorted it out the first time. Um, it was Riker who ate those bugs, right? Yeah, well, Riker Riker ate the bugs to show that he was already infected, basically. And uh, th- then in in that final meeting with the admirals, his 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 Klingon uh, training helped. Like he ate cock as well, right? At some yeah. point when he was on the King Klingon cruiser or whatever. There you go. Uh, so he's got to do it again, I guess. Uh, but but I'll stop. Like that is an amazing uh, uh, way to look at these things, and I don't want to get too far ahead. I'll also add that it's there's a theory. So some of the stuff that gets shown in the end credit sequence, there's there's a theory that some of that also re- goes back to that conspiracy episode where there's like a visual of like the bug in the brainstem. And we see something quite like that in one of the the visuals in the end credits. So, so this is this is like this this there's quite a bit of evidence that we're gonna get the conspiracy bugs back in this. The only question is, have the Titan crew been already infected? Like, are there are there high ranking members of the Titan crew who are now uh, bug controlled? So yeah, and 
honestly, I I I don't know. I found um, and maybe we'll talk about him, right? I found this Captain Shaw a little refreshing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like I found him refreshing. Maybe it's like the, the newer generation of Tucker. Like who who are this Riker and Picard and you know old farts uh, of of twenty years ago? And that's not Star Trek. Like so, it, I, he was almost like embodying that view. Um, Let, let's talk about he... Shaw briefly, because I think I think so. This this ties back to the theory, and I want to get into it in a little bit more detail, because I think you're making okay. some good points here. So he basically says, like, "What are you two cowboys doing here? Like, this is my ship. I had orders, and you guys are just messing everything up. I have to now come and save you, and then by saving you, I put 500 lives at risk by getting into trouble with the Shrike ship." Completely understandable, right? Like all of his motivations, I feel like are very very normal. Um, I think the X factor here is his hate of X, or at least dislike, it seems, of X Borg. So his his uh, not allowing Seven of Nine to call herself Seven of Nine. She she must be Annika Hansen. Uh, and there's two theories I've heard about this. Number one, I've heard that maybe he's an X Borg himself, so maybe mm-hmm. it comes from that. The other theory I've heard is maybe he was at Wolf 359. So he's been part of the generation that saw the impact of what cowboys like Picard bring on to Starfleet, right? Like they bring a lot of trouble by their by their swashbuckling. They introduce the Borg to the Alpha Quadrant, which then causes a lot of death and destruction. So he's basically just over it. But the third theory that I'm going to posit here is maybe the conspiracy bugs can't take over X-Borg because the Borgs have, like, nanoprobes defending them. So maybe he needs to undermine the X-Borgs. If he's... If he's them a... close as first officers. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And then he has, like, a little bit of... Ind- it's it's kind of surprising that he ends up going to save Picard and Riker, right? Like, I, I know Seven leaves, um, you know, leaves leaves him by saying, like, you could be responsible, you could be responsible for saving, like, the greatest heroes of all time, or responsible for, you know, leaving them in their outer need, and she walks away, and it kind of makes sense, but it was, it felt a little cliched as well, it, it didn't feel like somebody with his, his resolve, like, the way he handles that dinner, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just decimates everybody, but anyways, um, it was surprising that he showed up, and maybe he wanted to kind of, like, find out more about who is this other person and and if if he is if he's compromised right like who is shrike wow that's um yeah you've got my head spinning with that conspiracy bug theory let's see what happens yeah and but if he if he's a normal dude i think again to your point it really makes his motivations are perfectly understandable right like he's he's being ripped into this thing that he doesn't want to be in, involved in and it's put all of his crew at risk and he has the choice of whether to save the few or the many and but by so 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 the context here which we haven't set up is that jack crusher vatic really wants jack crusher uh shaw now has this choice of whether to give up jack or try to defend him and shaw says let's let's give him up he's a con man he's a criminal like i have to save 500 people like if i have to give up this one dude out who i saved from outside of federation space then yeah of course it makes sense to give him up to save 500 people and i think that makes sense like that is a perfectly rational thing to do because if you keep jack crusher on your ship the ship might get destroyed and then jack crusher dies anyway right um 
so so from a utilitarian point of view in terms of philosophy it makes sense it it does it does and you know what so if the theory about the borg uh, nanoprobes being a, a defense mechanism against these these parasites right works mm-hmm. out and uh, you know the theory that shaw himself is ex borg i i think that would be the best one for me the ideal one for me because i don't want him to be a stupid bad guy or like a an irritant making uh you know blocking the swashbuckling moves because honestly like again in reality there's so many people who get left behind um because just they just end up you know following the book and doing the right thing and then mm-hmm. there's these you know swashbuckling kinds that come and you know save the day um do well in life all that kind of crap yeah whereas whereas the short types are just you know they're doing fine they they're they're like they're not going to be on any posters anywhere but they get their career they retire with a nice pension and they you know they they're perfectly happy with following orders and doing a good job so and and i can't make a value choice between those two i think that the the thing for us as viewers to recognize and that's coming through in this series but also in a couple of the other new trek series is that we I was under the impression growing up that every captain was like Picard, every captain was like Janeway, every captain was like Cisco. But it turns out that these are singular figures and not everybody in Starfleet is like this. That Starfleet is full of more of the shock characters and that the the Picards of this world do have a mixed impact on on the the rest of Starfleet, right? Like the Burnhams of this world cause a little bit of trouble. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough one and with Picard himself like I've I've felt this throughout the Picard seasons. He's so old and sweet and he's he's still on these adventures and you know, when he when he looks worried and concerned, right? It's almost like, you know, an old grandpa worrying and he's like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" and um I don't know. Thank you for giving me that opening to then talk about the next piece of this plot, which is he turns and he goes from grandpa to captain Picard in like 5 seconds <laughs> at the end of the episode and starts barking out orders <laughs> which is incredible but before we get to that we need to talk about the fact that a number 1 it's hilarious to watch Riker be like dude you 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 see what i'm seeing right like this is your son like come on man like jack rusher is totally your kid which I I got to say I got to give the writers credit the writers credit for how they've established this they introduced it they didn't give us an explicit callback to this in the first episode we get this guy who speaks with an english accent but is making like french phrases <laughs> bringing french phrases into his vocabulary all the time <laughs> and and we have these subtle hints that Picard and Beverly were like romantically involved in the past and like all of this good stuff so that we as the viewer in the first episode we're making this connection for ourselves and then the second episode they bring Riker in to say like dude come on like this is your son like you you see that right and then at the end of the episode Picard wakes up or Riker wakes up Beverly which seems kind of cruel to like bring someone who's like critically injured up several decks to the bridge to give a long longing look from across the bridge they could have done that across like a, a video link okay like that same longing look could have could have happened from sick bay hey man return to work uh, in person meetings 
We expect senior no officers to calls. be on the bridge <laughs> three days a week. <laughs> Otherwise, we could just have like Zoom calls across, you know, across like planets and and systems, and we didn't, we wouldn't need a fleet, would we now? Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know, like, and and it's even more like, uh, could it's even more messed up because in all of TNG, it's been Beverly who's been the one who's like. You cannot wake this person. They're sedated. And it's always Picard and Rack like, I need to speak to them now. <laughs> and now it's her. Yeah, that's hilarious, dude. I didn't think about Let's it that way. That's amazing. That's great. I, I did not make that connection. 100% true. Uh, and and we, we did get the typical like Star Trek doctor lady being like, hey, what are you doing? Like, stop. <laughs> and Riker being like, no, we must wake this person up right now with a hyperspray. Like, that has happened so many times across Star Trek. Uh, including, and this one he does yeah. it himself, right? But in the others, they at least like know you need to wake him up now. This one he like goes and picks one up out of a, like a spectrum, like a color <laughs> spectrum of hyperspace. He's like, mm, I'll use this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doctor's like, what are you doing? That's cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, and you kind of, um, uh, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but you, you had a slip of the tongue there and you said the Rikers, and then you said the writers, right? Yeah. But no, I feel the Rikers did did well. Both of them, whatever they are, um, did well as well. And I used to be a great Picard fan. I'm not saying I'm not. Uh, I just feel that I I I'm too protective of our grandpa Picard. So that kind of like makes me a little confused about him going on these adventures. But Jonathan Frakes, man, like the way he acts, and he's got that. He walks into the he walks into the med bay with that Riker walk. I don't know if anybody noticed, but he's like, mm, yeah, yep, yep <laughs> with, that with, little like side stride. to side, yeah. I would totally watch a, a a TV series based on him, man. Like now that I think about it, it would have been more fun than than Picard. I I have a feeling that they're setting up for a Titan show, uh, with oh. Seven of Nine as the captain, and because I mean they put Jordy's daughter on the ship, Jack Crusher is now on the ship, like that's we're gonna get that right, like we're gonna get Seven Jack. Sydney LaForge, maybe this doctor lady who was introduced in this episode and maybe some of these other characters. There's, there seems to be some decent setup being done in that regard. Uh, I, I have a feeling Shaw is not long for this world uh, based on every the way he's been no. characterized. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I, I do think, and, and it would be natural, I think, for then for, to have Riker as like the Admiral commanding, like giving orders to this ship to go places and seven carrying those orders out we i i think i would i would be very excited for that show personally i think that would be a really fun one uh i think i think jerry ryan is killing it a seven in this series like that speech that she gave to shaw about like motivating him to go into the nebula so that they can they can save uh picard and Riker. that was peak seven of nine man like that was like we were back on Voyager basically with her talking to Jane Bay. Like that was so good. No, for sure, for sure. And and I I think I, I felt it's interesting for me, like I like the Shaw character because he's like, what is all this, you know, swashbuckling crap? And and I really hope he doesn't end up being like a bad middle or bad captain kind of character that, you know, just you know, they have to remove at some point or overcome. Yeah. At the same time, I I felt like the way Seven of Nine ex Borg, you know, her own 
uh, her own master throughout, I felt a little awkward and odd that she was being suppressed by someone and feeling frustrated about it. And maybe that's, you know, her getting more and more in touch with her human emotions. Like Seven of Nine, like way back in, in Voyager days would have just like, Assimilated Sean got rid of it. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, you know, her being captain is something I would look forward to. But yeah, I will take more of uh, Jonathan Frakes. I would take Riker um, all day long. That's awesome, yeah. you know. Let's, uh, let's his weird uh, stance or whatever squat as well, Riker. The one, yeah, the the one where he like lifts his leg onto the <laughs> the chair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, quick, quick question. Um, what do we think of Jack Crusher so far? And this, let's yeah, just tackle this so quickly. Quick call out there. Jack Crusher sounds like he's got a little bit of like 2009 pre-Trek, um, you know, uh, Kirk in him, Chris Pine Kirk in him, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out there. Again, swashbuckling. Um, at the t- same time, the name has like has appeal to it, like Jack Reacher, Jack Crusher. Um, you know, I, I don't quite see somebody like that fitting into, uh, into a uniform ever. Um, so maybe, maybe Fener's, uh, Fener's Rangers or whatever you call them at some point in the future, like, uh, seven of nine being that, that mentor coach, uh, mm-hmm. but let's see, right. I, I think they'll, if, if this is a character that, that stays throughout, uh, like stay, it extends into future series and, and all of that into the Star Trek universe. Uh, they'll they'll show like him romancing the idea of Star Trek and uh, sorry of of Starfleet here and there and in and out in and out. L- l- let's see. The interesting question though is, how does Traveler Wesley Crusher feel about all of this? Is he gonna show up as like, bruh, <laughs> dude? The, so Wesley Crusher. So so. Um, <laughs> now I'm getting caught up on names after you called out my Riker uh, writers. Quip, now I'm getting like overanalyzing my thing. So anyway, Will Wheaton has has emphatically said he is not in season three, which to <laughs> me just says that he is. Uh, and and we, there has to be, right? Like we, we can't not bring Jack and Wesley into the same conversation at least once uh, if they're brothers. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think it's going to be interesting also to see the dynamic between Jack and Picard now that they know that we didn't get much of that, right? Like Picard gets that longing look from across the bridge and he suddenly transforms into, that's my son. And then they has to like save the ship and he starts barking our orders, which by the way, we have discovered that captains who are emotionally compromised can be removed from their post. Isn't this the textbook example of emotionally compromised? Like Picard is not thinking about anything other than his familial <laughs> ties. This seems like the worst set of orders to be obeying. I think Shaw should be like, no, get off my bridge. <laughs> you are now completely out of the decision-making apparatus. <laughs> and cause that's, that's like the worst reason to be doing anything is like, that's my son. Like, no, no. Uh, you, you should be more dispassionate than that and looking out for everybody else. Yeah, it's like, you know, everybody, I'm taking command, authorization, Picard, Alpha, Alpha. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Even even before, I don't know if it was this episode or the previous one, like, uh, Shaw dismisses uh, Hanson, right? 709 from the bridge. Like, are you allowed to do that? Like, just dismiss your first officer? Uh, it sounds a little, little weird. Um well, I mean, he removed, 
I, I mean, I think you can do whatever you want, but I think in terms of dismissing your first officer, you just be clearly being insubordinate, right? Like, again, I think he had a really good reason to do it. He couldn't trust her. And so I think I think it was hilarious how when she apprehended Jack Crusher on the transporter band, he was like, okay, you now have your rank back again. <laughs> like, you're back. <laughs> you're, you're back. <laughs> um, Anyway, well, I, I just one last piece in this episode, which is let's talk about Vadik for a moment because we've touched on her and, and the strike. She seems to have a lot of shades of like General Chang, who, I mean, played literally by Amanda Plummer's father, right? And there's some people online who are like, they really wanted somebody to sit, to use McCoy's line, I'd pay good money for if he just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and someone needs to say that to, to Vadik as well. Uh but Vadik's ship, the Shrike, is just filled with, like, every single weapon imaginable. Like, that, that they do that scan, and it's like, oh, this ship has, like, tons and tons and tons of weapons that they can fire at us. Which seems kind of crazy that we haven't seen more ships in Star Trek that take this approach. But at the same time, I'm also appreciating, like, this show is, again, emphasizing that not every ship is a Galaxy-class ship. That there are differences in weaponry, ability to put up with, the, to take a beating... Uh, and and that those are being emphasized in the fight in this nebula. Yeah, so multiple things there, right? That Shrike as a ship, right? Um, the whole bit about a, a ship with like these prongs and huge, you know, sh- shadowing, like, sorry, overshadowing like a small Starfleet vessel. There's so many, there's so many uh, examples of that. There's like the... Um, uh, the Star Trek 2009 uh, and Eric Banner Romulan ship, right? Um, which dwarfs the original uh, Daddy Kirk's ship. And there's the whole Shinzon Romulan, whatever mm-hmm. ship that was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, dwarfing. And this one has like that weird droning noise, like that. They keep playing that weird droning noise, which is, you know, uh, War of the Worlds kind of alien droning noise. Uh, and then yeah, like, forget Wesley Crusher. If if Shinzon was alive, what would he feel about Jack Crusher? <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe 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 Vadik is Shinzon's daughter. Who knows? Um, probably not. That's just jo- uh, that's just me joking around. But I did think about that. And the other thing I'll say is this, which is, we still don't know have a good idea of Vadik's motivation in all of this. We've learned surprisingly little about her. And so there's a lot to explore in terms of who Vadik is, like w- where the ship is going, where it's come from. There's just, who are these people in the, under the masks? Like so far her crew have been entirely anonymous. So who are they? Uh, Vadik seems to have connections everywhere. There seems to be a crew member on the Titan that dude who is like spying on Riker and Picard in the bar who seems connected to her. So mm. like there seems to be just kind of this like deep network that Vatic is running. So I I am very curious to learn more. I'm very curious to learn more. All right. Well, let's let's bring it all back together and give this episode a rating, Rudy. Let's go into strange new ratings. Would you like to stick your neck out and give this episode a rating or would you like me to go first? I will. It had a little bit of everything in terms of highs and lows. I like Shaw. I've, I've liked him throughout both episodes. Um, I mean, the amazing introduction of Worf. Um, the rest, a little bit confusing until you brought up this this bug conspiracy theory, which I will not give this episode benefit for because I didn't figure it out myself. So I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of people, unless they went online, 
uh, didn't think of it that way. And we've already been scarred once by like, you know, hoping that the bug conspiracy would, the theory would come into play in the last episode, last uh, season of Discovery when somebody was scratching their neck <laughs> with yeah. the sign behind. So right, exactly. I, will, I will give it, I will give it seven, seven point five, uh, tractor slingshot beams. <laughs> we didn't even talk about we the did not. Va- va- Vadic throwing the SS Ilios into this other starship, which was freaking badass. Uh, I really enjoyed that very much, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. We we didn't calibrate on this like explicitly in terms of rating, so we haven't talked about what rating. But I'm gonna give this an eight, and I was I was wavering between a seven and an eight myself. And I, I think I think I think this, this, it does enough of what it wants to do well, like the wharf introduction, Jack Crusher's quips, sh- making sure we know that Shaw isn't completely bad, that he's human, showing seven of nine being bad. Like it, it just it achieves its objectives well enough that I think it gets to an eight for me. But I do think that this is a setup episode. I think a lot of what the seeds that it's planted are going to pay off in future episodes like this piece about who is Vatic? What are the implications of Jack Crusher being Picard's son? What are the implications of Raffi having taken the drugs now? What is Worf and Raffi's relationship going to be like? I think it raises more questions than it answers. Uh, So I'm excited to see what those are. But uh, yeah, so so I I think some of this episodes, the way we view this episode might change depending on what answers those questions have. All right. Well, Rudy, thanks for making the time early on a Sunday morning for you, uh, a little bit later on a Sunday morning for me. I do appreciate it. The chance to talk about this episode. You weren't there for our discussion last week and we missed you. So I'm glad you were able to make it this time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, thank you, Emily, Adam, and Bill. Adam, I hope you feel better soon. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. And thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your podcast rotation for this week. Special thanks this week to the Romulan ship designer who was like, you know what, pointy bits. Our entire culture is going to have ships that point at things. At this point, we just need to see one of those points impaling another ship on it. Uh, that's that's what we need, and then that, that guy will be like, okay, finally my dream has been achieved. So so I want I want to give special thanks to that pointy ship designer too. All right, thanks everybody. See you next week. Goodbye.